come on in. It's Small Town D&D with Chelsea Lee. Now in this present moment, as we near the end of fantasy football season, for this manager, it's been too little, too late. <laughs> with David Dillon. My Spotify wrapped was incredibly underwhelming. And Dewey Cassidy. Oh, sorry. I'm just looking at photos of hogs, not penises, the pig. And I'm your dungeon master, Alex Wolfson. One announcement this week. We had our official cast photos taken. Woo! Oh, yeah. So thrilled with those. It even got Dewey's good side. Yes, which is this one. Beautiful. Those cast photos are posted now on our Instagram. We're going to be slowly releasing more and more, especially as we have updates. On there, too, is our Meet the Players. Little bios on everybody. And a little bio on me, the Dungeon Master, because I don't have a character, so I didn't get one the last round. (laughs) Bummer. If you want to check those out, learn a little bit more about us and see some cool photos of us like we're in a 90s sitcom, which we are, check those out on our Instagram. That's smalltowndnd is our handle. Check it out on Instagram. You can also see a nude version of mine on our Patreon for uh, $10 a month. When we last left off, a whole lot happened. Money Boy, the old anarchist that you sort of adopted, made breakfast at 4 p.m. as you rest and recover from your battle with Land Sponk, the owner of the Mega Mart Sponk Mart and secret mastermind behind the shadowy PTA. Albert shows off his new anti-horse suit of armor. Jeremiah forgave Sindar Fulbeek for his role as lead agent of the PTA telling him that true judgment will come from his god. And Clegg and Miss Maggie Lathy, the local school teacher and her boss, make up, mostly before Clegg runs away from the damage you all caused to her house. You met Fent Sherrystone, leader of the Pond District, and turned down his offer of free, ornate, and beautiful gifts for the Queen's visit, instead making your way to the Bramble Den, the large marketplace of the Root District, carved into a hollowed-out mangrove tree. And there you see a whole host of your friends who live in the area. Varshan Decker, Baggy, Jackson Fisher, Pellbottom, and, and more. Albert buys Money Boy a stylish blue tuxedo. Then you check in with Jill Rana Thistletop, leader of the Root District. She is thrilled to see you and eager to show off the gift bags that she's created. They're simple, but each are made with love. She also warns you that if you aren't able to pay for these gift bags it would be financially devastating to the very same friends that you just met that evening you made your way finally to the breeze top estates the wealthy gated community that sits on a large hill overlooking chester's chair you get past the guard at the door thanks to your convincing disguises money boy in a brand new beautiful tuxedo jeremiah gel sinkley in a tracksuit with wraparound shades, <laughs> and Clegg and Albert stacked on top of each other doing the ye old trench coat trick. I believe Summer's Bounty's in there, too. <laughs> yeah, he's he's somewhere, like, crawling around in the coat. You've got Landsponk's hat, who is now a living homunculus, on your <laughs> head. Named Stetson. Named Stetson. And cowboy boots. This trick remarkably works. 
And you make your way through the Breeze Top Estates, noticing its beautiful, serene, and most of all, a comfortable temperature. A very rare thing indeed in Chester's chair, as the humidity is blown away by a gentle, constant breeze. You find taste plus dignity, the beautiful mansion and fine dining establishment in the Breeze Top, and are seated at a table in the palatial white tablecloth dining room. As you settle into your seats, you look up, and seated at the table next to you is the mayor. Gaudron Werp. And that is where we will pick up today as a reminder of a couple things. Clegg, you're on top of Albert Penis's shoulders. So Albert Penis, by this point, you are getting a little bit tired. You're going to have some strength saving throws coming soon. Even with my armor? Even with your armor. Especially with your armor. For this long. It's lightweight armor. We established that last time. (laughs) Does it mean that it's not weight armor? Yes. It is still hard to walk around for this long, so you didn't have a strength saving throw yet, but coming up soon, you will, ma- you will make one. Sorry, I'm laughing at the image of us in a chair, because normally in a chair, your legs oh, take up this. half the body, so we are crazy <laughs> tall in this chair. Yeah. Because <laughs> it is my torso and then Clegg's entire body. And how could you bend your body to sit at the chair? I think when you sit down, you have to turn around to like face the butt and then lean forward, because otherwise you'd have to bend right over your back. What if Clegg were to be standing up on the chair and then Albert is standing on the floor floor. and he has a distended stomach area? (laughs) Yeah. Any one of those. We'll figure it out. Yeah. There's a couple other reminders of things happening. Clegg, you have a disguise kit and the hat. And with all these things combined, it's a fairly convincing disguise, except your voice is quite different from Landsponk. You're covering for that with a minor illusion spell, but that lasts only for one minute at a time. It hasn't taken you that long to greet the person at the front desk, uh, a man named Rance, who helped and sat you. (laughs) Rance. But there's a couple clocks ticking is what I want to say. And here, seated at the table, you look up beautiful crystal chandeliers, white tablecloths with many forks and knives, you see the uh, the Mater D runs. It looks like he's making a large loop to eventually come back to you. But as you lock eyes with the man across at the table next to you, the Mayor Gaudron Werp, he's wearing a top hat even inside. He'll take it off. He's got a big uh, bald ring on the center of his head. <laughs> but he seems comfortable here. He'll say, Lance Spunk, it is sure nice to see you again. Gaudron Werp, it's <laughs> nice to see you too. Now, I know our permitting process is not proceeding as quickly as I first uh, wanted it to, but it's nice that uh, we could grab a meal together. May I join you? Uh, I'm expecting visitors. It's going to be a very full table. Oh, I see. I I don't think I've met your friends before. And he'll look at Money Boy and he'll look at you, Jeremiah, and no role needed. If he's seen you before, he has not (laughs) hunky clocked you at all. He looks right at both of you and says, it's a pleasure to meet y'all acquaintance. They'll reach out and shake hands. Offer to shake hands. Um, yeah, Jeremiah has never had somebody approach him so willingly, especially in this sort of context. And uh, his old, wrinkly, clammy hand extends out to his. Ah, you smell, you smell quite nice, sir. Well, thank you. <laughs> it's, a, uh, it's, a, it's a special cologne I've been working on. You'll have to tell me the scent. And you, sir, to Money Boy, your suit is impeccable. And uh, Money Boy will say, ha, 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 ha. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it's lovely to meet y'all. 
Uh, you said y'all expecting guests? Yeah, I'm expecting guests. All this talk of permitting makes me have to take a leak. I'm gonna. We're gonna run off to the bathroom jointly. Oh well, well, well don't let me stop you. Yeah, all right, all right. Uh, real quick for the listeners, Money Boy's noise that he made—that is because, if I am <laughs> mistaken, we are at all times trying to stop him from throwing a crustato through the window. Right? Yeah, Money Boy is very uncomfortable in the Breeze Top Estates. This is his mortal enemy. He has a rock hard crustato in his pocket. He's had his hand in his right pocket this entire oh time, presumably gripping it with a with an iron fist. He's he's nervous. He's tense. Yeah. yeah, but before we leave, I'd like to turn to Money Boy and say, you should come along with me, too. <laughs> I'll stand up rigidly. Gaudron Rope will say, please, please. And as you both get up to walk to the bathroom, he'll sit down next to you, Jeremiah. Is there any bread in the table? Have we been served bread? At this point, there is nothing on the table. You've just sat down, but you do see a, uh, a bus boy, a gnome, has a plate of bread. Jeremiah just takes the entire plate of bread and sits it in front of himself and starts eating it. Great. This man just, oh, will bow to you and scurry off. Well, thank you. Thank you. Jeremiah is not offering any of the bread to <laughs> the mayor. And I'm assuming this is like like a giant like bool, like just a big old thing of bread. And Jeremiah is using that partially as cover so the mayor doesn't recognize him but also because he is an uncultured swine and is just eating the bread as a whole right now. <laughs> yeah. Okay, without slicing it? Yeah, with no slicing, no butter. He's actually, he's he's eating it whole and then taking pads of butter and then eating them off of the knife. <laughs> eating, yeah, I love it. The mayor will just kind of take it in. Make an insight check. Uh, Dirty 20. Hey, yeah. Wow. With the 20... You recognize on the mayor's face, you look into his gaze and you know it's not your disguise. You could be dressed in the clothes that you, you've you worn in front of him countless times. This man has no memory of you. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> so does that mean that I'm that lowly or uh, does he have a, a spell cast on him? Yeah, with the 20 insight, it's that you're that lowly. It's the difference that stands out to you. Now here in the breeze top, He's much more engaged. You can tell from his body language and his eyes. He's focused on you. He's meeting you as an actual person. Whoa. And you're like, I've never seen this before. Like, this guy does not know who I am. I, I made it into the country club without a membership. And you exactly just assume right. to be paying the $40,000 a year. And he'll say, we, I don't believe we've met before. I'm the mayor, Galdron. Well, what do you do? The mayor? Oh, my gosh. I, um, I work in the cologne business. Oh, I see. Make a deception check. So it's not a particularly high DC, but you still got to sell it. Pretty good. 17. Ah, well, that makes sense. Y'all scent is enchanting. <laughs> well, thank you. Jeremiah is just going to continue to just eat the bull. You know, we're here. He, he doesn't want to blow everybody's cover. He looks him dead in the eye and he says, I've never been here before. What's your favorite dish here? The menu changes constantly. I mean, the, the new management has been surprisingly good. I was nervous at first, you know, with, um, well, with the change, as I'm sure y'all understand. But the food is really quite good. I would recommend the chef's tasting menu if you, if you have some time on your hands. Does the chef taste it before giving it to me? Does he, does he lick each morsel and put it on a plate? No, he doesn't need it for you. No, that, that food's for you. He, but he will come out and say hello. 
I have a question. Uh, so I'm not yeah. from around here. I'm a I'm a visitor uh, visiting my friend Lance Bonk. Ah, I see. Yeah, and um, so what what kind of change is going on over here? Oh well, I guess it's been a few years now. But you know, this used to be Matilda's mansion, right? The famous establishment of Justice Chair. It only had this new name, and uh, when the new ownership took over, you know the um, and he'll kind of pause for a moment since the gnomes took over. The gnomes. What does Jeremiah yeah. have any idea what that means? Uh, make a history check. Um, eleven. And eleven. Only the general fact that there's very few gnomes in in the breeze top. Oh, so are the are the gnomes moving in? Uh no. They uh they run the restaurant. Uh, Boink and Woody. They're very nice, honestly, and they've run this place. Dare I say, even better than Matilda. I have been quite surprised. Why did Matilda sell it to him to them? Well, she died. She died a few years back. Oh, yes. Oh, I think I remember hearing something about that. Did you hear that in the news? Yeah, it was it was big news around here. Yeah. As you look over at his plate of food, he really was almost done already. And he'll say, oh, I suppose I, I must be going. It was a pleasure to meet you. Well, I, I never got your name. So what is that? Um. Uh, Jeremiah freezes for a second and then he thinks to himself that he's just going to change the first letter of his first and last name to give us a fake name. And he goes, uh, Jeremiah Jill Sinksley, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremiah Jill Sinksley, well, it's very nice to meet you. And he'll shake your hand and he'll put his top hat on and I'll have to say goodbye to Lance Spunk another time. I'm sure he'll be in town a while longer. I'll, I'll give him your best. Thank you. And the mayor will head out. We cut across to the bathroom. Uh, what do we find in there? Is there anyone in the bathroom? Let me roll for it. You, you go inside. There is a tall kind of dour man. He's standing at the urinal and he zips up as you enter with Money Boy close, close behind you. Are there any stalls in the bathroom? Or is it all urinal? There's one stall and one urinal. Uh, we're, we're all going to go into the stall together. <laughs> Bo- okay, both of you go into the stall? Three of us if you include Summer's Bounty. <laughs> Are you stealthily doing this or just walking right in there? No, we're just barging right. We're just Great, walking. okay. Let me make a little roll. Yeah, the man kind of looks over his shoulder, a little confused, and walks out, ignores you. Standing in the stall of this bathroom, what would you like to do? Clegg will say, Money Boy, you've got to keep it together. Oh, yeah, I know. Now look, Money Bags, if you money make boy. it... Sorry, Money Boy. <laughs> If at any point you throw you throw away this operation, we could all end up in serious trouble. We're not yeah. supposed to be in the Breeze Top Estates. I know. I just want to cause some havoc. Money, money bags. Give us one moment. Money boy. <laughs> money boy. Sorry. Money boy. Give Give Clegg and I one moment. Uh, could you stand on the stand on the toilet for us while we uh, talk amongst ourselves? <laughs> yes, yeah, so, of course. I'll I'll put the Cristado in my ear. <laughs> Oh my god, that seems unnatural. I'd like to think that in the trench coat, there's just a little face, an Albert face, poking out of the middle, <laughs> out of the up, belly button. <laughs> looking straight up. <laughs> yeah. Looking straight up. And Clegg's like looking straight well, down. Keep in mind, my uh, costume is shaped like one of those round garbage cans, so my head is just poking yeah. out of the uh, the top as well. <laughs> sort of like a really dumb Ooh. Buzz Lightyear. Clegg, what if we offer to let him get it out of his system? In what way? How about we make a compromise where we let him throw a Cristado after we get what we need. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Okay. Do you think that would work? Do you think that'll tamp his, his uh, enthusiasm? I don't know how patient he is. Do you have any marshmallows on you? 
<laughs> no. I guess it doesn't hurt to try. Give me one moment. Uh, money bags. Money boy. Money boy, sorry. I am going to give you a little kiss on the cheek. Oh. All right. Now, I'm going going to come back in five minutes. Okay. And if you wait the whole time without going crazy, I'll give you two kisses. I got to wait in the bathroom? No, no, no. Yes, but if you you wait to get two kisses. Uh, (laughs) But how am I going to convince people that I need to stall for that long? Maybe I'm going to have to... you don't have to convince anybody. They see feet planted, they think it's going to smell in there. I'm going to go somewhere else. <laughs> I'll I'll take care of this, Albert. Okay. Okay, I'll okay. wait. Money boy, haven't you been, like, holding it in for days now? No, I poop. <laughs> <laughs> I poop when none of one else is looking. I wait until everyone goes to bed. You and I have opposite tendencies. All right, I'll be right back, money boy. Okay. And as soon as you leave the stall, you hear, Oh, oh! Oh, no, this is going to take a while. (laughs) So you're going to recast your minor illusion and Mm -hmm. re-enter the dining room. The door opens back wide. You enter the dining room. Now, Albert, I would like you to make a strength saving throw to keep Clegg on top of you. I rolled a four. I'll uh, portent it to a 13. You're going to portent a 13. Yeah. Thank you, Clegg. As you're walking out of the bathroom... Clegg, you're focused on your voice, your Lansponk voice, your Lansponk mannerisms. Albert, you're full of confidence. You come and take one step and slide on the linoleum. You've never stepped on such a polished floor before. And you slip forward, almost breaking in two at the middle. And then the portent saves you. You recover beautifully and continue walking on back to the seat. Clegg will announce to to the whole restaurant, Oh my god, I could have (laughs) died. Immediately... A gnome worker comes running over and says, uh, my, my mistake, and we'll... I could have slipped and fallen and died in here. My mistake, my mistake. We'll get down and start to polish the floors. What can I get for almost slipping and falling and dying in here? What will you do to make this right Um, to me? Oh, you'll have to speak um, with Rans? Uh, Rans? The Mater D in uh, a beautiful tuxedo with long coattails will come back over and say, Mr. Spunk, um... I'm terribly sorry that um, something's happened to you. Is, is there anything that we can do to make this right? I would like you to set two plates for my halfling friends who will appear any moment from now. Um, right away, of course. If you have more guests, we're, we're happy to set some plates. Just put them on my tab. Um, sure, you don't have a tab here. If you, would you like to start one? Yeah, just open a tab under my name and put it on it. Make a deception check. Fourteen. Fourteen. That's enough for this. He'll say, Woo. Pretty good, sir. He believes you guys does, has no reason I uh, might also have to go to an important business meeting later. So if I am not here, you treat this whole table real well because I could have slipped and fallen and broken my cowboy boot. <laughs> hey, now you're really pouring it on. <laughs> um, Rance, Rance might or might not be a little skeptical of that. I'm going to ask for a deception check now. I rolled an eight. <laughs> an eight. He says, very good, Sam. And we'll turn and, and leave. What would you like to do? We'll go back to the table. I think it's time to go back and kiss Money, ba- Money Boy. Oh, oh we, yeah, we got to kiss Money Boy. You immediately turn and go back to the bathroom? <laughs> well, they, didn't we say we're leaving for a business? Pe- okay, maybe we should show our face for a little bit. Okay, you go back and sit at the table? Yeah. Two extra plates have been set out here. Money Boy is, is still gone. 
a, a few moments later, Rance will come back and he'll say, We are so glad to have you here at Taste Plus Dignity, still getting used to the new name. I assure you that despite the new management, our quality is still of the highest degree. We are offering an exciting new menu every month. This evening, we are offering a tasting menu and an exciting a new addition to the menu is a chef's tasting menu. The tasting menu is three gold pieces a person. The tasting menu adds an extra gold piece, but includes an, an additional three dishes, and you'll meet the chef, who he may not be who you expect. He is a, quite an interesting young man. Yeah, give us that one. I see. For the whole table. Yep. Uh, one, e- one each, please. Right away. The, the chef's tasting menu, it'll come out in courses, and I, I think you'll find it quite nice. He'd, he'll turn around and... Clegg, should we return to the bathroom? Yeah, I guess we could at any time. Um, but if if we return to the bathroom, we have to fully commit to never coming back out as Lance Bonk because I do have, like, his disguise on my face. <laughs> and so it would just be a half a Lance Bonk coming out. <laughs> yeah. That's fine by me. Let's do it. Okay. You go back to the bathroom, and as soon as you open the doors, you hear, Oh! Oh! Oh, I mean it. I still really gotta go. I still gotta go. Why didn't you go when we were gone? (laughs) What? What's that? Money bags. Why didn't you poop while you were gone? Money boy. No, I was causing a distraction. I was pretending like I really couldn't go so that if someone came into the bathroom, they'd think, why is that guy in there so long? Oh, it's because he really can't pee or poop. This is where the podcast is peaked. (laughs) As I was doing that, I'm like, should should we just quit the whole thing? Is this the last episode we're recording? (laughs) I'm going to go over to Money Boy and give him his two kisses. Oh, that's very nice. Money Boy, great job at being patient. Now that we know you can be patient, we have a proposition for you. Okay. If you could stay calm... And not lose your shit this entire time. (laughs) Once we get what we need, once we speak to the chefs and confirm that they will work for us, you can throw the Cristato. Oh, yeah. But not, money boy. Yeah? Not until we say. Okay. You shouldn't also hurt someone with it. Because it... Don't hurt someone. And no potted plants that are going to build it on the statue. (laughs) Oh... A plate, perhaps. A chandelier. Well, as long as nobody's underneath the chandelier, then perhaps. Lance Bonk, you got yourself a deal. He'll reach out. Which hand is going out? I'm going to put my hand through the fly. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> the hand would be up so high. It's quite He'll yeah. you through the fly. And now you really are Albert Penis. Yeah? Hey. Well, Clegg, what do you say? Time to disrobe? Yeah. Okay, you're shedding the disguise. Well, we're going to spin around while we shut it. Like it's a cartoon. <laughs> nice. This is a silly episode. Uh, you shed the disguise well. Are you taking Stetson off? Uh, no, I'll keep him on my head. Okay, you'll take him off Clegg's head, put him on your yeah. head. Yeah, put him on me. Yeah. Great. Clegg, when you lift Stetson off, you see he's been like biting on a little bit and you're like, oh, you kind of giving me a headache. He sucks ever so gently. Ew. <laughs> Sucking <laughs> my head. head. Sucking yeah. my head. Sucking on the top of the head. Albert, you put him on, and he kind of... 
just licking the metal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alex, have you ever thought about doing ASMR? I thought that's what this is. <laughs> <laughs> you shed your costume. You remove the suckling hat from one head to the other and re-enter the dining room yet again, making your way to the table where the first course is being served. A gnome man will come by. He offers you shrimp socktail, packs an extra punch, and wine from Bordeaux Island. And pop a cork. He'll say, I hope you enjoy. And, and leave. Alex, I have a question for you. Yes, sir. Is the meal delicious? You take one bite, and the shrimp is fresher than anything you've ever experienced. It coats your mouth with shrimpiness. D&D is a nice fantasy world to live in, because in the real world, if I ate that, I'd be dead. Chelsea has a shellfish allergy. Oh, man. Oh, no. Now you get to live out your wildest fantasies. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Having one shrimp. Clegg Tumsel going shrimp after shrimp. <laughs> yeah. They lined the rim of a beautiful martini glass filled with cocktail sauce. It's fresh and vibrant. The wine from Bordeaux Island is a fine, deep, rich red wine. As you look on the label, it says Chateau Sorbet. Oh. Is that from our One Piece? Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a <laughs> minor Easter egg for the players for a, a nice great. So it's something that listeners have no context for. <laughs> that was a gift for you. Accept the gift, Dewey. Accept the gift. I'm mad. I I don't like it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Sorry, I'm sleepy today. You get a couple more dishes as the meal is progressing. Is um, they're just like one empty seat where Lance Punk was sitting. And yes, like, there is an empty meal- seat, and they are they are putting food there every time. Is somebody eating that, or are you ignoring? I'm gonna put the hat on the on the plate and see what happens. He definitely will eat up his way up, and then whoa, <laughs> it's like a weird Metroid. Up. Yeah, yeah, in my is. mind, he's like the vacuum cleaner from Teletubbies. Yep. Whoa. He's sucking up pancakes and tubby, tubby toast and tubby <laughs> custard. <laughs> People next uh, nearby are mildly confused by your party here. Everyone else is dressed to the nines, out for a very fancy night out. Everyone else is dressed up. We have a crazy old man in a blue, powder blue tuxedo. His eyes wide. Eyes wide. There's a talking hat eating eating food. Uh-huh. I'm dressed as a garbage can. Plague <laughs> is sitting there with a bat on her shoulder wearing a wife beater. Jeremiah's wearing a tracksuit with wraparound shapes. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Now, is Jeremiah still wearing like his farmer's hat and his crazy hair? Yes, absolutely. It okay. is nothing is tamed. Excellent. Very strange. Plague will turn around and say, mind your own business. Oh, good. You see a family, they're celebrating like a son's graduation, and they'll turn around. Head wet. Embarrassed. What's wrong with you? Throughout all of this, Jeremiah is, he's kind of taking some nibbles, and he's like, how much was this? And just isn't really sure about it. I love that. You get a couple more dishes as as the waiters come out. Slow-roasted Oroch ass. The ass is the finest cut of the Oroch. And this has been slow-roasted over 12 hours. Technically, it's called a quarter, I believe. The next dish is quintuple-fried green tomatoes. They've been fried once on each side. And next, deconstructed mac and cheese. They come out with two platters. One is the macaroni dry, and one is just gobs of cheese. Mm, Quite a crunch to it. Jeremiah sticks his uh, straw in the cheese and starts drinking it. (laughs) Yeah, great. Jeremiah flags down the the server and, and asks, this is all great and, and stuff, and I'm sure you know, this is the chef's taste, and I'm sure the chef has great taste, 
Do you have any crustaters? Oh, good one, sir. <gasps> a good, a good, a good dish. Oh, you're quite, uh, you are quite funny. Oh, I thought this restaurant was called Taste Plus Dignity, and what I've got was no dignity right there in what you said. Oh, um, my mistake. No, oh, you were being serious. Uh, excuse me. No, um, sorry. We do not have uh, crustaceans here. Huh. I didn't even realize the chef was a coward. <laughs> so I can't. Um, my mistake, sir. Goodbye. <laughs> this, is, this is just a server. He'll walk off. <laughs> There's maybe an issue if we're seeking out a chef who's never worked with the medium of crustato and suddenly expect him to prepare it a hundred ways. 98 ways. Yes, I'm sorry. We, what was the other one beside frying? It was like French fries and then frying yes. like a fish. Right, okay. Fried like a fish. <laughs> well, when the chef comes out, as we were promised, we'll have to discuss this with him. Stetson, please use a napkin. <sighs> and he'll slurp up a napkin, and it does kind of clean him up a little. That's my boy. Another dish comes out. This one delivered by Rance himself. He'll say, Matilda's Peach Cobbler. I hope you enjoy. This is thought Matilda house- was dead. She, she sadly has passed a, cu- a couple of years ago. It's ushered in a new era here. It has really changed things. I was shocked when her will declared Boink and Woody in charge of Matilda's mansion. Could you believe it? But, but so it's the truth. Was Matilda and, the woman who's eaten alive by her own cats? Yes, she's, that's the one. Tragedy. Did Boink and Woody, did they know Matilda before she, uh, were they close before she passed? They worked in the restaurant, same here as me, except, unlike me, they were chosen to lead it, to own it. Even though they'd worked here fewer years than me, arguably worse performers, it was quite the shock, let me say that. It was, it was quite the shock. Honestly, they're still afraid of her room. You know, the, the top floor of, of taste plus dignity is, is her room, and kept pristine they're too afraid to venture in there they keep a basement apartment in the oh, excuse me i forget myself matilda's peach cobbler is quite delicious and i i'm sure you'll enjoy it did he say that the room was it's the top floor of the restaurant matilda's room yeah you 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 put that together taste plus dignity is a restaurant and hotel uh Clegg has been going absolutely wild with power after impersonating Leon Spunk for about like three minutes altogether. She's gonna say, I'm gonna try to get to the bottom of this, and then she ducks under the table, casts invisibility, and will try to go upstairs. Oh she okay. Wow. She's gone rogue. First I need a stealth check. This is going to relate to the casting and the disappearing from sight. This is a pretty low DC, but you are seventeen. Seventeen. Your face doesn't sit that far above the table to begin with, and so it's not a huge stretch to sink down a little bit, disappear, fully invisible. With your 17, you roll out into the center of the dining room, and you see people looking looking right through you. Your friends also, not informed of, of this plan, I think are going to play it. Right, what would you all like to do as you see uh, Clegg disappear? Jeremiah takes her peach cobbler and starts eating it. <laughs> Great. So you, you're going to let her go. Clegg, you see two doors, or you see three doors, excuse me. You see a door leading back the way you came into the lobby. You see a door that led you first to the bathroom, and you see a kitchen door that the staff has been entering and exiting from. Where would you like to go? 
In my many walks to the bathroom, do I know if that leads to more than one walkway? As you've been entering and exiting, you have gone many times. There seems to be an emergency exit out the back there, but you're not sure where that goes. So one door leads to the lobby. Yep. One door leads to the kitchen. Yep. One door tells the truth and one door always lies. That's right. (laughs) I will go to... (laughs) I'll go to the lobby first. You enter into the lobby and there you see a palatial desk. Many people dressed in purple tuxedos like Grand Budapest Hotel. And standing at behind the desk, sort of conducting them all, is a gnome man. Looks to be middle-aged. He has uh, an immaculate purple suit on with gold buttons running down each side, double-breasted suit. He's standing on a large box. Clearly, the desk was not made for him. He has a wooden crate set up to stand up above and, and then be able to direct people. Different helpers are taking people by the hand and showing them up to their rooms, carrying bags. Make a perception check. That is a 15 a 15 you notice behind him a large wall all folded with little cubbies and there's keys in each cubby some of the cubbies are missing their key likely the person has has their room key um can i step closer to the key wall and see if there's one for matilda's room yeah as you step closer you see a little bit more of this lobby too house plants and mirrors a small indoor water feature a large palatial staircase that spirals up velvet carpeting and beautifully hand-carved wooden railing you also see behind the help desk there is another door looking at all of the the different keys they're numbered all by rooms and you see that they go up to the fifth floor Uh, make an intelligence saving or make an intelligence roll a general intelligence roll a 19 a 19 you remember outside how many floors the, the building was. There's a sixth floor. It doesn't seem like that key is kept right here. Though perhaps it's nearby. What would you like to do? Um, I think Clegg's going to keep rifling around in there, try to f- see if that sixth floor key is behind the desk, if okay. not on the wall. There is the no man there conducting traffic standing in this space. Mm-hmm. So please make another stealth check. That is a 17. 17. You pass in undetected and looking around the key wall does not have a key but in the main desk itself on the shelves you see various notebooks writing utensils and off to the side cordoned off with a small box over it a small sign reads matilda's room and you see beneath it a a key can i try to take the key (laughs) make a slide of hand check oh god that is a cool five. <laughs> a cool five. Yeah. Before we deal with the consequences of that, we cut back to the dining room. Several more dishes have been served. As uh, the rest of you finish eating your peach cobbler quite quickly, Rance will come by and say, um, Oh, I see you've uh, lost a member of, of your party. Uh, did they have to step out? Ah, oh, it's none of my business. Uh, I'm not going to yes. make you come over. Okay, got it. <laughs> He'll say, so that concludes the standard tasting menu, but you have selected the chef's tasting menu, and I'm excited to say that the chef himself will be bringing you the remainder of the dishes. And he'll, he'll step away. A gnome man in beautiful immaculate chef's white with a large chef's hat, almost double the size of his head, sticking straight up, comes out. He's carrying a platter effortlessly on one hand. 
it has several dishes arranged for him. Like he's going to stay and chat and, and give you all of these dishes. Uh, another gnome behind him comes running over with a step stool. We'll put it down in front of him. He'll stand up to the step stool just to get up to like table height, and then uh, reach down and hand you all a dish. He'll lean over and say, "My name's Woody. I'm so glad to meet y'all. I'm the chef here, and I know I'm new. I know people are skeptical of that, but just try the food, and I think it'll speak for itself." Monkey face tartar, and he'll Ew. pull out monkey face tartar. This next dish poison non-toxic and uh he'll give you little glasses of some kind of bubbling purple liquid and the dew of morning grass and he has an eyedropper that's full of of a crystal clear liquid and as uh he presents all these dishes to you and you get a good look at his face albert make a history check i rolled a 22 whoa yay albert you look at him you've seen this guy before in a very different circumstance. You recognize Woody from your childhood. When you were a kid hanging out at Orda's house with the other orphans of the Root District, you remember this young couple from Orda's house. They were desperately poor in those days. They had a failed hotel and restaurant in the Root District, and Orda gave them money and, and made them nicer clothes so that they could get servants' jobs in the Breeze Top. It was a way that for them to get out of the root district and, and chase after their dreams. The same woman that looked after you as a kid was a, a motherly figure also to these two men. You recognize this man, Woody, as one of them. Well, if it isn't Woody... Sorry, have we met? A long time ago we met. My name is Albert. He'll make a roll, too. Albert Penis. He rolls a natural one, but when you say Albert Penis, <laughs> he goes... Oh my god. Little Albert, yeah. <laughs> well, now it's little Albert Penis, but yes. <laughs> well, well, Albert Penis, it is. We've both made it to the Breestop Estates. Haven't things turned around for us? They really have. Woody, I must say, I've tried quite a few of your dishes today. Uh, what'd you think? They've been quite good. But, I do have one complaint. They're all quite... safe. Um, conventional flavors, conventional ingredients. Oh, sure, sure. I, I mean, I suppose. Well, it's a fancy restaurant. I just, I thought as a chef, you might consider innovating, consider proving people wrong. <laughs> proving people that this little boy from the orphanage can be more than just a little boy from the orphanage. He can be a man who's a chef. The greatest chef, perhaps, the Breeze Top Estates has ever seen. And I'm... <laughs> I'm willing to bet that, based on these dishes, you don't even really want a challenge. Well, that's not true. I mean, Boink says we gotta play it safe, you know what I mean? He's saying our... I mean... Sorry, is Boink the chef? No, Boink's not the chef, but he's well, got Why does Boink fucking matter? Who cares Because he's got thinks? us this far, Albert. Because he's got us this far. Because our lives were not anything... It's not easy to be a gnome in the Breeze Top Estates, Albert, and we can't ruffle too many feathers. You ever watched a bird in flight? Yeah, of course. You ever seen them fly with straight, unruffled feathers? When you hear a morning know. dove take off, does it not go because its wings are making noise upon takeoff, literally flapping in the air? <laughs> if you don't ruffle feathers, you're not going to reach any heights taller than this. Boink! Boink, I need you. Boink, I need you. 
And at that moment, Clegg Tumstall, you reach for a box, knock it over, and the man standing next to you, the gnome directing traffic, hears his name being called from the other <gasps> room and will say, what is it now? And puh, jump off in a huff and run off to the dining room. You grab the key successfully. Wow. Clegg's like near tears at this point. And that is where we'll take our break. <laughs> we'll come back and deal with part two of both of these things. See you soon. Woo! Yay! And as we return, Albert Penis, Jeremiah Jelsinkley, and friends are now speaking with both Boink and Woody, owners of Taste Plus Dignity, and Clegg Tumstool has secured the key to Matilda's room, still invisible, standing in the lobby of Taste Plus Dignity, and that is where we will pick up first. Clegg Tumstall, the key in hand, the gnome man who was previously over your shoulder now departed for some unknown reason. What would you like to do? Unknown reason. (laughs) Clegg is feeling uncommonly bold, maybe the boldest she's ever felt since the Colnox incident, and will look for an elevator or stairs to the sixth floor. Whoa. Great. The stairs were obvious. They were very prominently featured in the lobby. They're, they're very obvious. There's also a door behind you that you can't see beyond. It's, uh, it's, it seems like it's used for staff. Uh, Clegg will go in that door. You open that up, and there you see a staff area. Carts stacked with different towels, mini shampoos, things for the rooms, housekeeping. You see a connector to the kitchen seems like the back areas of both of these places are connected and off to the side in between the kitchen and the hotel is a dumb waiter and the dumb waiter you know would would travel between floors so you don't see a conventional elevator um are there any staff uniforms in the staff room oh yeah in in the staff room you see piles of freshly pressed uniforms it seems like the staff frequently grabs a new clean uniform so that everyone's looking tip top like, we'll try to quickly put on a uniform just in case things go horribly, horribly wrong. And then she will try to um, pull herself up through the dumbwaiter. Oh my gosh, all right. So you reach for a uniform, and as you grab it, it turns invisible too. An item carried by you becomes also invisible. You're able to change into the clothes. You notice as you put them on, they fit you quite nicely. It seems like many gnomes work here, and it's a pleasant surprise after a world that's uh, mostly not built for you. Yeah, Clegg's feeling really good. She got to experience the world at eight feet tall today and <laughs> is ready to go. You go over to the dumbwaiter. It has buttons for each floor. You could conceivably hide yourself in it, reach an arm out, push the button, and then get in. It says one, two, three, four, five, and six. Uh, Clegg will smash six and try to get in there. Great. The dumbwaiter pulled by uh, a pulley up above it sucks you up. You hold on and it shakes as it rattles, rising up every floor. Ding, 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 all the way up to the sixth floor. There the dumbwaiter pauses, now suspended six floors in the air. And the door in front of you that would open to reveal the food is currently closed. You're sitting in darkness. What would you like to do? Sitting in darkness, there's no obvious way to open the door 
You could try pushing on it. I'll try pushing. It seems like it should be as easy as that, but no one's been in this room for quite a long time, and it is dusted and rusted shut. Please make an athletics check. A cool six. It doesn't budge. What would you like to do? Um, <laughs> can I try to, like, break invisibility and, like, ro- roll for, like, an unarmed strike on the door? You could certainly take an attack on the door, but yeah. that would break your invisibility. Yeah, that's correct. I'll do that. Okay, go ahead and roll to hit. A 12. A 12 will hit the door and go ahead and roll damage. I rolled one damage. Nice. It budges, moves a little bit, but it's still closed. It's not fully open. And now that it's been a little bit of time, let me make a roll. You feel the dumbwaiter. It starts to descend floors. Somebody else has called it to a floor. You go down a couple, and then you see the doors open up, and a gnome woman with dirty dishes is standing on the third floor, face to face with you. What would you like to do? (laughs) Be like, oh, the worst thing in the world happened. I was trapped in here. Make a deception check. Wow. Oh, I sl- must have slipped in while doing the dishes. It's a 16. A 16. Yeah. She'll go, oh, you poor thing. <laughs> I-, I heard there was someone new working here, but we hadn't met. And she'll pull you out and dust you off. Oh, my gosh. Let's not play around the dumbwaiter, okay? It's not. I wasn't playing. I slipped. I see. My name's Susan. Hi, Susan. What's your name? <laughs> hey, hold on a second. I see where like hot dog hot dog was more. <laughs> um, He's not in this world. My name is Clementine. Clementine, nice to meet you. No role needed. She will say, I've got several more rooms to clean. Uh would you care to give me a hand? Uh no, I would have to go back to doing the dishes. That's what got me in this mess in oh, the I first see. place. Okay, well, toodaloo. Bye. Bye. She'll go back and she enters the room. Leaves. Um, so now I'm on, which floor am I on? You look around, the numbers are reading 301, 302. You're on the third floor. You see at the end of the hallway, stairs leading up and down. Clegg's going to just go up the stairs to the sixth okay. floor. I got to make one roll to see if you encounter anyone walking through the halls. And with a natural 20, that roll is in your favor. You uh, do not. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> with a natural 20, it is your dad. No, it's not. <laughs> uh, that'd be cool. My dad. You go upstairs, three stories. And as you reach the sixth floor, it is different than the others. The others are broken up into many different rooms. It is the same width, the same hallway as all the others, but only one door, dead in the center, facing the stairs. There's no number on the door or any other markings. I'll use the key and try to go in. The key fits perfectly. The lock turns, and the door opens. And there, we will cut back across to the dining room. Albert Venus, Jeremiah Jill Sinkley. Boink and Woody have returned. Woody is looking kind of despondent. You've challenged his integrity as a chef. And Boink is looking frustrated at having been pulled over to... What is undoubtedly a, a fantasy that Woody goes on frequently. What would you like to do? I'd like to talk to both of them, if that's okay. Mm-hmm. Boink, Woody here tells me that you've become the idea man since we've all left our uh, former home. Uh, yes, Albert. It's, it's nice to see you again. Are you content with your life, Boink? I'm very content with my life. We both are. Our lives are better now than they've ever been. So interesting, because 
It seems to me that there's been, as Rance pointed out, no change since you two took over. Well, that's because this was a very fine and fancy restaurant and hotel, and we intend to keep it the same. So you weren't interested in making it finer, fancier? Albert, we are trying to keep our heads down. Isn't it always what they expect of us orphans? They expect all of us to keep our heads down, to accept their judgment, to be lower-class citizens the rest of our lives. Don't you want to walk with your head standing tall, shoulders back, perfect posture, butt out? (laughs) We have something here, Albert, something special. It's not every day you get an opportunity. But what if you could prove yourself to the point that you no longer need opportunity, that opportunity comes to you? What if you could cement yourself as the best young chef and restaurant managers in all of whatever continent we live on? (laughs) That's a dream, Albert. And it's Gardenia. (laughs) What if I told... Really? Yeah, Gardenia. That's very close to Gardena. (laughs) But it's like a flower. It's cuter, you know. Okay, so it's not like a city in Orange County. Okay, sorry. Uh, But what if I told you I have the means to bring your dream to life. Albert, when you were a child, you took a stack of blocks, turned them into back massagers, and Orda didn't sleep lying down for a week. What if I told you I sold a back massager to a woman a week ago and it's the (gasps) best thing she's ever used? Are you telling me that people can grow, Albert? Yes. If they chase their dreams? And I'm telling you that I have an opportunity for you to chase your dream right now. Have either of you ever heard of the Cristato? Yes, Albert, we've heard of a Cristato. And have either of you ever cooked a five-star meal with a Cristato? Woody will chime in. I'm, 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 I've, I've cooked lots of Cristatos. I mean, I have some great ideas. for. And Boink will say, no, no, uh, Cristato is not a fancy food, Albert. Yet. What if I told you that the Queen is visiting Chester's chair? Of course. Which you already know. Yes. But what if I told you that we are part of the committee planning for her arrival, and we're currently planning a feast? Chris Tato's 1,000 ways. 100 ways. What? what? Oh. Woody will say, Chris Tato's 100 ways. 98 ways. We already have two. Sorry, yes, we already have two. So 98 (laughs) additional ways. Fried like french fries and fried like a fish. Oh, those were two I had. Oh. (laughs) <laughs> 98 more ways Albert I would love to and Boink will say our answer is simple and our answer is no sounds like Boink's answer to me Woody what say you he'll look at the both of the both of you and everyone sitting around the table he'll look at Boink stern but his love he'll look at Albert you he doesn't want to disappoint you I look at Jeremiah. Who's just licking a piece of bread. <laughs> and he'll look at Money Boy, eyes wide open, staring straight forward, <laughs> trying his hardest to control himself. In the back of his mind, he's thinking, they said Chris Tato, I can do the Chris Tato. Tick tock, tick tock. And as Woody ponders this important decision, we will cut back upstairs to Clegg Tumstool. Clegg's going to lock the door and cast invisibility on herself right away. Nice. Out of fear. Very pragmatic. This room is dark as you enter it. You don't see anything. Lights long since turned off, the windows closed. Can I turn the lights on? You flip a light switch and a faint arcane 
energy fills the room. And it's illuminated. A very old-fashioned white doilies and paisley patterns, upholstered furniture, couches, and cushions filled to the brim, like almost overstuffed, like they're going to pop. A large four-post bed with silk lining on the outside of it. A large standing desk of a heavy wood. A beautiful mirror, full body, where a woman might stand and admire herself. Two large bayview windows with the velvet purple curtains closed. What would you like to do in here? I think Clegg's going to go ape on that desk. Now, she's just following a whim. A whim born out of hubris and impersonating an eight-foot-tall man. And she feels a sense of power and also a sense of fear because she knows that it's this type of behavior that led to such such a huge disastrous problem in her life so she will go through the desk tempered in these mixed emotions pouring through the desk uh make an investigation check 18 and 18 you search the desk quite thoroughly you find 35 gold pieces oh that's great whoa you find many different writings of this woman and you put together a picture of her it's confusing she left the hotel to Boink and Woody, and yet her personal writings are vitriolic. She talks about how the breeze stop is not what it used to be, how Chester's chair has fallen so far from grace, it's embarrassing. She says she's uh, been reduced to hiring commoners to work in her hotel. She would have never even considered bringing them into the building. It's, it's full of anger and hate. That's all you find, though, in the desk. Mm. Clegg's going to pocket the money and (laughs) is going to take one last look around the room. 35 gold is like casting Find Familiar three more times. Hell yeah. Uh, One more investigation check, please. 19. A 19. You walk around the room, inspecting as you go. And as you gaze into the large mirror you noticed it's not set perfectly against the wall. A small gap exists between the mirror and the wall. And looking at that and pulling on it, the mirror itself was hiding as it slides away, hiding a wall safe. It's locked. What would you like to do? Is it like one of those where you got to put a stethoscope to it and then turn the dial? And It looks like a large, big safe. Is it a dial or is it like one of those like turn handles on a boat or is it like a key it's like a boat no it's like a um yeah it's a, it's a tumbler lock it's like uh, a dial with numbers on it were there any like dates on her letters hey yeah good thinking she like commemorate her birthday in her journal <laughs> standing at the safe looking it over thinking now about the desk we'll use your earlier role from investigating the desk you do eventually put together a series of numbers written on the back of certain important documents to her. A marriage certificate, a divorce certificate, and a photograph of what must be Matilda as a child. Three numbers. They're one, two, and three. You reach up, (laughs) dial in the code, and the safe swings open. What's in it? There you find a fancy pearl necklace. You find two gemstones, a large ruby, and a large sapphire. 
and in the back folded in an envelope a piece of paper. Clicks can pocket all of it, right. um, especially the ruby because that's how Chimpy comes back. And we've already secured that Summer's Bounty can come back three times with the amount of gold. I love it. And looking over the safe too, it's covered in cobwebs and your, your investigation check from finding it quite high, it's likely that nobody has seen this safe since her death. What? It's likely that nobody has opened this. The unexpected cat-eating accident came without proper planning. <laughs> I love that I said it was a one-off joke and it is now canon that she it's was true. killed by her cats. Her cats ate her alive. Or sorry. Oh, <laughs> oh no, now they ate her alive. <laughs> you said ate her alive. I meant like she died and her cats ate her, but I guess... I guess <laughs> she was close to death. To she was now. quite old and her cats finished the job. Oh my god. God, I really hope we don't see the cats. There, in the darkness. Um, <laughs> Good thing she has to speak with animals. Hell yeah. <laughs> you Are you going to open the letter? I'm going to go back into the dumbwaiter, telepathically communicate with Summer's Bounty to hit one, and then try to get out of there before I read the letter. Okay. On the bottom. Yeah, easy enough to do. I assume he's like just like hanging out with Jeremiah, eating some of his bread. At the edge of your of your range, you communicate with Summer's Bounty, and Summer's Bounty in the middle of the conversation will go and fly off. I like to imagine that Summer's Bounty was on Jeremiah, perched on Jeremiah's shoulder, and was making uh, him bleed yet again. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Stealing his bread, causing Jeremiah. No, Jeremiah's giving him some bread, little uh, oh, bread pieces, nice. and oh. is trying to just wince through the pain. And then as he flies off, uh, a flood of relief comes from Jeremiah, <laughs> but he's also sad that his little friend has left. Summer's Bounty pushes the button. You emerge out of the dumbwaiter on the bottom floor, the letter in hand. I'm going to go to the bathroom. Okay. And we'll cut back into the dining room as Woody, considering what you've said, will say, Albert, we've, we've just got too much to lose. You know, when I was run over by that horse, I thought my life was over. When I was laying there in the street and people kept saying, you're fine, you're fine, and I <laughs> knew that I was dying. I thought that was the end of my life. But I chose to take a risk. I chose to stand up. Now you two can live your life as if you're about to die being run over by a horse. Or you can stand up, take a risk, get in the queen's mouth, and take destiny by the horns and say, I'm in charge. Go ahead and make a persuasion check. I also just, I was giggling at <laughs> you're lying in the street with people saying, you're fine, you're fine. <laughs> Can someone tell me my, what my persuasion check was? Six. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. Blink and Woody, quite reluctant, are going to say, sorry Albert it seems like you're doing a good thing but our situation here is very fragile did you have to kill somebody to get to it they both look over their shoulder what did you have to kill anybody to get to your situation no of course not that's preposterous uh Jeremiah looks at Albert have you killed anybody to get to your situation well I've almost shot Lance Spock once but no I haven't killed anybody Jeremiah looks down at his feet I've killed a man oh, to get what? to where I am today. What? 
What? Like for Kalimvor? <laughs> it was for Kalimvor, yeah. Who did Who you kill? kill? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we need to rewind that. <laughs> no, I want to know now. You could have killed somebody in the name of Kalimvor, sir. I know. I was trying to think of what, what, what would work with that, but I didn't have anything planned. Jeremiah, if you choose, if you want to, I'll give you something. Or not. Yeah, sure. Your memories come flooding back to you, Jeremiah. <laughs> your memories of the day. You remember you're, you're standing out in the streets offering sign your life away to Kellen Vore. Sell your soul to Kellen Vore. And a man offers, yes, I, I would. I am interested. But come here a minute. I, I have something for you first. In this dark, scary alley. He leads you down a path you have never been before. And there, in the darkness, he turns on you, taking off his cloak, revealing beneath it a bright, shining armor. He says, I am an agent of Lathandar, and I will smite all followers of Kelimvor. The god of death will never reign here. The god of light will reign here. Uh... Jeremiah takes out his sickle and he goes straight for the throat. Not and even a second man, thought. Oh as this man God. raises a long sword, imbuing it with holy power, it glows. And as he brings it down, you're faster than him. You slice him through with the sickle, cutting his neck, killing him in the name of your God. Jeremiah comes back into present day and yeah. he kind of has a thousand yard stare and it's like a it's like a Vietnam War flashback for him. It's like, <laughs> I've killed a man to get to the place where I am today. You and Money Boy now both staring off. Boink is going to go. Was there a moral to that story, or did he just <laughs> did he just bring up that he's murdered somebody with without a point to it? What I'm saying is, you have to take chances to to make it to the top. That's, That's how I ended up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And as they stand there, very reluctant. We'll go back to Clegg Tumstool. You're in the bathroom. Before I go to the bathroom, can I drop the keys back off at the desk? Yeah. There's nobody over at the desk. You drop the keys off. You're in the bathroom holding this envelope. What would you like to do? Lock myself in the stall and tear it open. You rip it open. I'll stop the invisibility, too. Okay. You drop your invisibility, standing there alone in the bathroom in a stall. Just a girl sitting on the can now. Nothing to hide. Nothing to hide. <laughs> you rip open the envelope. At the top, it says, my last will and testament. It's the will of Matilda. Surprising to you, because it does not name Boink and Woody as the inheritors of Matilda's mansion. It says, Upon my death, Matilda's mansion shall be burned to the ground so that none may enjoy it without me. Whoa. Signed, Matilda Monrose. Wow. What huge saucy news. Clegg will um, burst out of the bathroom and head back to the table. Okay. You rejoin them. You see Boink and Woody. They are turning to leave as you get back to the table. Uh, Clegg will stand up and say, you don't even really own this place, do you? They are shocked. They both look Clegg at you. Clegg will also say, hi, I'm Clegg. They don't introduce themselves. <laughs> they look at you, look around the dining room. Um, how loud are you saying that? Are you saying that to the table? or are you, No, are I'm you just know? trying to say it to them. Okay. They look around nervously. Thankfully, it doesn't appear that others have noticed. Uh, Woody, is his, his jaw is on the floor, his mouth wide open. Boink, a little more tactful, will say, I would love to, to speak with all of you guests in our private 
executive chamber in the back at this moment, please. At the uh, the fancy executive chamber for special guests, please. Well, you had me at fancy. And lost me a little bit at chamber, but now I'm back in for executive. <laughs> Let's do it. Are you going with him? Jeremiah wants to stay at the table and finish everybody's peach cobbler. <laughs> Great. You continue <laughs> eating the food. Jeremiah, take the plates with you. <laughs> we can get you a doggy bag. You want a doggy bag or... Oh yeah! If I could get this to go, that would be great. If I, I don't, I've never been to the chief executive VIP suite before. Yeah, well, please do come, and we'll get you doggy bags. And um, while they're chatting, Clegg's gonna try to pass off the will to Albert. Okay. Yeah, you can you can hand it to him, Albert. You you open it and you are you gonna read it? Yeah, I'm gonna do that thing in the cartoon where like your <laughs> eyes become like big searchlights and like they go up and down the paper. Like, boy, <laughs> my word. And then Clegg's gonna, like, gesture to, like, Jeremiah, too. <laughs> it's like, we're all gonna pass it around. Okay. I don't know if that's allowed. Yeah, you all read it. I mean, that's fine. You all read it as they are pushing you out of this room. Jeremiah can't read it because his hands are too <gasps> full with uh, leftovers. I thought you were just sick because Jeremiah doesn't know how to read. Like, <laughs> Another twist. Yeah, Albert can't smell piss. Jeremiah can't read. <laughs> they push, push, push into the kitchen beyond the kitchen, into a small room that says custodian's closet. They push the door open. They push you Quite in. a bit of vomit in here. And close it. <laughs> Hell yeah. They close it, and uh, they turn on a small light in there. And, uh, I mean, actually, you've been passing around the will, right? No, they see the yeah. will, and they pick it up. Or they, they're going to they're reach for it, try and grab it. Now hold it right there. I'm going to hold up my glowing laser hand. Okay. Wow. Now hold it right there, boys. This stays with us. Albert, you don't know what you have. I believe it is a horse-proof suit of armor that I have. <laughs> I meant the will, Albert. <laughs> I have the will to use this. No, the paper in your hand, Albert. The paper in my hand. Oh, sorry. That's a toilet paper. All right, now. Albert, dear God. Woody, get him. Uh, Woody <gasps> is going to futilely try to grab it from you. Go ahead and roll athletics, acrobatics. I'm rolling acrobatics. Okay. David, what was my acrobatics roll? Uh, it was a 10. Yeah. He rolls a 5 and yes. misses. Yay. These guys are not <laughs> fighters. Yeah. They'll settle down. Money Boy is going, Is this it? Is this the signal? <laughs> Money Boy, hold on. No, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> We're not going to loose you unless we have to. All right, okay, got I'm going to look it. at them both. <laughs> they're, they're intimidated. They're scared. And looking at the will, Boink will say, You know the truth by now. Matilda didn't want us to own taste plus dignity Matilda wanted to burn it to the ground she didn't want us around she didn't want anyone else around she hates gnomes, she hates everyone from Chester's chair, she was a horrible evil woman she treated us like dog shit every day she made our lives miserable and so when she died we came up with a fake will is that such a crime? sounds like the perfect way to get back at her and it sounds like it could be our secret if we all get something in return. Boinkus, we'll make your Cristados, Albert. Well, hold on, hold on. That was the previous offer. Oh, God. We, we have a couple more demands. First things first, it seems here that our friend Jeremiah has taken quite a liking to your peach cobbler, so we're going to need a few of those. Done. Oh, yeah. Plague, you spent quite a bit of time in what I'm assuming was the bathroom, so I don't know if there's anything you want to add to this, but I want to give you the opportunity. Uh, no, I got what I needed. Okay. That's gonna like grope Money the <laughs> jewels in her pocket. Grope them. <laughs> Money boy will say, "I break a window. I break one window." 
There we go. All right. If you guys hate this woman so much, then why are you working so hard to preserve her legacy? We just don't want to push our luck. We're in charge, and it's already more than most people will give us. We didn't want to take it further than that. And are you happy? It's not exactly how we would do things. Taste Buds Dignity is a dumb name. <laughs> what does it equal? By the way, I've been meaning to ask while we're all here, <laughs> what does that equal? <laughs> you don't understand how many times a day we get asked this. There's no answer. I have a fourth request. <laughs> <laughs> what would you like it to equal? Penis curiosity. <laughs> Brand equals penis curiosity? Yes. For that one, you gotta make a persuasion check. Or intimidation. Either one guidance. is with advantage. This is with advantage. <laughs> I rolled intimidation. You got crazy leverage on them. So 17. 17. Blink will say, oh god. 98 Cristados for the queen. That one we kind of enjoy. A whole bunch of peach cobbler. One broken window. And rename the business Tasteless Dignity equals Penis Curiosities? Yes. <laughs> I think we have a deal. <laughs> to keep our secrets safe forever. Or until, you know, we all die. In which case, it's up to the world. Yeah, that'd be long enough. All right. You got a deal. Are we all going to shake hands in a circle? Yeah, uh, Boinko reaches hand in. <laughs> yeah. Woody will reach his hand in, too, excited. I still wish there was another hand reaching in, and I'm going to reach in one hand. Mm-hmm. Specifically three more hands, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, we're all in it. All yeah. right, everyone reaches their hands in, and it's a deal. And with that, you have set a plan for every part of the Queen's visit. <laughs> all four elements of the Queen's visit now taken care of. Boink and Woody will be in charge of creating the remaining 98 ways to prepare Chris Tato for the Queen's visit. Your business concluded at Taste Plus Dignity. We'll montage our way out of this. You return to the table. Boink and Woody come back out with a boatload of pies. They've got uh, <laughs> as many as can be carried. Jeremiah Gelsinkley, you can add 20 Matilda's Peach Cobbler Holy to shit. your inventory. <laughs> as they just give you a boatloads of it. That's so many. They direct a crew to change the sign. And Money Boy, standing full of exuberance his face puckered <laughs> from the tension stands by a window and boink and woody kind of like sheepishly shake their heads and he'll break a window a family eating near them is like covered in glass oh god <laughs> jesus they get up to leave in a huff and their rants goes chasing after them and you make it outside of taste plus dignity your meal completed what would you like to do there's something i need to do alone can one of you watch stetson yeah. Jeremiah will put him on his head. Thank you. And I'm going to take off. I need to find Bald and Ember Dark. <gasps> okay. Clegg and Jeremiah, are you going with Albert in some way? Or are you, are you, are you leaving the brief stop while he's doing this? What, what are you doing? I will try to send Summer's bounty to tail Albert Penis from like a safe distance okay. away. But you otherwise... also could just wait. Like you don't have to do anything. I'm just giving you yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. I think I think at least Clegg will wait and hold Money Boy's hand. And send Summer's bounty out. Okay. Just to keep an eye on him from above. <laughs> Holding Money Boy's hand is such a funny... <laughs> such a funny detail. So he doesn't run off. Mm -hmm. I love that. Jeremiah, how about you? Um, I just need to do last minute planning stuff. Um, I'm okay. I don't need anything in the Breeze Top Estates. Uh, Jeremiah, Clegg, and Money Boy, you can all sit by a fountain 
eating birds. Are there night birds? <laughs> so there night are birds? night birds. There's night jars. There's owls. Any that would be eating breadcrumbs at night? There's bats. I mean, a pigeon. This is the birder I hardly know her crossover one. episode. Yeah. Check out Dewey's podcast. Birder I barely know her. <laughs> birder I barely know her. Even better. You, you sit in this garden feeding bats. You can feed them crumbs of peach cobbler if you like. Or you could have stolen some bread if the peach cobbler is too valuable. Peach cobbler is mine. <laughs> and I will very briefly cast Speak with Animals. Not for any plot reason. Just to say hi to the bats. To see if they're like Summer's Bounty in any way. Great. You hear tons of voices. Hello! Ah. <laughs> I'm Summer's Bounty! Oh, what? <laughs> I'm a... Oh, you don't hear Summer's Bounty. You hear... My name's Midnight! My name's Rufus! My name's... Orange! Marmalade! And <laughs> they fly around. I just did it just to hear that. <laughs> no other reason. Albert Penis, you are looking for... Balden Emberdark. You've heard that he is the owner of a place called The Cellar, though you've never been to The Cellar. Yeah. Make an investigation check, please. Can someone tell me what my investigation check was? Oh, 24. Oh, it was huge. 24. Wow. Oh, it was a... Wait, you crit. It was a crit. Natural yeah. 20 for a 24. Wow. Yeah. Albert Not Penis. Not brag. <laughs> you follow the unmistakable sound of horse hoof clomping. <sighs> they lead you winding through the streets of the breeze top. You see couples, old folks and young kids out for an evening stroll, parasols in their hands, Sunday in the Park of George. They wind their way around to a building, a large wine barrel like uh, 15 feet tall stands adjacent to a small stone building artfully decorated with ivy running up the side one couple you see reaches the edge of the wine barrel knocks on it and a door opens and they enter the wine barrel and you see them walking down a set of stairs you know this is the cellar I'm gonna pause take a moment and I'm gonna say Lord, forgive me for what I'm about to do. And I'm going to walk through the doors. <laughs> oh my gosh. You walk in through the doors and down a set of stairs. You find yourself in an intimate, candlelit jazz bar. Wine lines the sides. There's one bartender pouring glasses, cleaning another glass. Various well-to-do avant-garde members of the Breeze Top Estate are here, sipping wine silently. You see a small stage with a spotlight. And there, in a well-manicured suit, is a late middle-aged elf man. He has a sharp nose and cheekbones, long gray hair that drips down his back. He's playing piano, solemnly and deliberately, on the stage for everyone. As he finishes a piece, the room stands up and claps, lightly, politely for him. He looks out, he'll take a little bow, and then go sit by the bar. As, you, as his face catches the spotlight, you recognize him. This is Bald and Emberdark. I'm going to walk up to him. Great. He's sitting at the bar, faced away from you. Bald and Emberdark. Yes. Who is it? Well, you may remember me. I play, played a pretty big part in your life. My name is Albert Penis. The name instantly 
recognizable to Bald and Ember Dark as well. He spins around. He says, You caused me quite some trouble, Albert Penis. You know, I had to lose a whole Saturday in court over this. Yes, and I've disparaged your name quite a bit around town. Around what town? Not around my town. He'll look out at the audience who's already taking an interest in this man who's come up and spoken to the owner. I'm here, Bald and Ember Dark. Because as you recall, you nearly ruined my life years ago by running me over with your horse. And as such, I'm here to do something I thought never possible, that I would never stoop to. I need to ask you a favor. <laughs> a favor? My, my, Albert Penis. What's your favor? I need 600 gold. <laughs> Surely you're joking. It's just a loan. I'll pay it back. But I made a promise to someone. Promise I'm starting to realize I can't keep. And if I don't come through, hundreds will suffer. All right. Go ahead and make a persuasion check. I rolled. I have a plus three modifier. What was it? 16. A 16 is just (gasps) enough. Balden Emberdark looks you over up and down. He turns away from you. He finishes his glass of wine. And faced away from you, he'll say, Take some guts. Face your fears like this. He looks over his shoulder back at you. He'll reach into his pocket. He pulls out a, a sack. He reaches in, fiddles around, and it, it's like not even a large percentage of this sack. He pulls out 600 gold. He holds it in front of you and says, Alone, Albert Penis. Alone. For a bold evening. Thank you, Baldwin. And I'm going to grab the sack. And he holds on to the other side of it, meeting your hand, not letting you take it. He says, you think my horse hurt you that night? If this loan isn't paid back, I'll hurt you. And he lets it go. Baldwin, I'd like to see you try, and I'm going to run. (laughs) (laughs) Armor clanking. (laughs) uh, Yeah, you push over a bar stool. People are like, oh, uh, he has to to do crowd control. He's like, hey, oh, it's all right, everybody. It's all right. And you'll run up the stairs, do, 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 <laughs> slam the door. All right. Summer's Bounty is waiting at the top of you. Summer's Bounty, my nephew, what are you doing here? Summer's Bounty will look at you and say, good. <gasps> Whoa. Oh, my <laughs> word. Oh, my God. I'm going to run after him and rejoin the group. <laughs> Great. You rejoin wow. your friends in the garden of the Breestop Estates. Well, let's say we go home. Did you kill a man? I killed the old me. Oh. In case you're wondering what happened, I secured the <laughs> 600 gold we need to pay back our friends. Not the children's choir. That's a, that'll, that'll, that's a problem for another time. <laughs> They're kids. What do they need money for? They don't need money, but I've secured the 600 gold. How? Did you have to sell your body? <laughs> no, I took a loan and I, there's no way I'm paying it back and that's fine. <laughs> so we're good. I'm never oh, paying okay. that. <laughs> oh, I'm going to okay. default on that immediately. So we are good. No consequences, I'm sure. <laughs> okay. Penis Curiosity is in an LLC, correct? You could just file for bankruptcy. It's an LLC. If, 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 if they can <laughs> declare it bad debt, write it off on their taxes, they have four years to sue me. We'll see if... Uh... <laughs> Chester's Chair Bank. Chester's Chair Chester's Bank. Chester's Chester's Bank. Bank. Before we head off... Jokes Clegg's, on them. Clegg will <laughs> go. Oh, I, I um, got some things for you, I guess, to celebrate while we're all sharing the news. Um, Clegg will give the pearl necklace to Jeremiah and the ruby to Albert and say... Chimpy's body may be gone, but 
with this, maybe a new one can be born. Leg? Whoa. You've Don't given ask me, me where I got the it. second greatest gift. What? Don't ask me where I got it. I've already forgotten. <laughs> You've given me tonight the second greatest gift that someone could have given me. The first being the gift of speech from Summer's Bounty. Oh, he said something? I believe he said good and then a second word I couldn't make out. Summer's Bounty, what did you say? <laughs> wow, that's very good. <laughs> <laughs> Well, don't we have a queen to visit? Yes! <laughs> and as you descend the steps of the Breeze Top Estate, the guard letting you pass, he's not particularly concerned with who leaves. One little thing. On your way out, Money Boy is going to look oh, as no. if to it in his hand and say, Can I throw it? Money Boy. I'll throw it into the yes. river as we leave. Oh, okay. Really? No, you can throw it. You've earned it. Money Boy will pull it out of his pocket. The Cristato is rock hard, but it's indented where he's been squeezing it all night. Ew! <laughs> he pulls it up wow. to his mouth. He kisses it once. He says, Fly, my sweet, beautiful child. <laughs> and he'll throw a Cristato into the air. Oh my gosh. For real, rolled a nat 20. Whoa. <laughs> the chicken dice. The dice tell their it own story. sails beautifully through the air in a perfect arc. Towards the monument of the broken potted plant, where a new <laughs> sculpture of a potted plant is has been established. It flies through the air, hitting it in just the right spot, such that as soon as it, the statue is contacted by the Crusado, it shatters into a fine <laughs> dust. Oh my gosh, Peyton Manning couldn't have made that shot. Money Boy looks at all of you, he says, Still got it. <laughs> <laughs> And you descend the breeze top estates. You will. Uh, I think I'm probably faster than we were going to before that happened. Yes, absolutely. You run. <laughs> As we all know, the Queen's visit is right around the corner. It's actually going to be our next episode. You have one more downtime before the visit to prepare any other kinds of things that you might want to. And when we play our next session, it will be the Queen's visit. So first. In your in your downtime, um, are you all going to take your long rest? Yeah, yeah. We still get our yeah. We could still do our stuff, right? Yep. Like we don't. Okay. It's we're going to pass like a week up to the queen's visit. So you get your long rest after your adventure in Taste Plus Dignity, and you wake up, and we will pass about a week's worth of time up until the queen's visit. First, let's do Jeremiah. Jeremiah, what would you like to do in your downtime? So Jeremiah previously had um, wanted to talk to the artists that were going to be repainting all of the porn uh, that was mm -hmm. lost in the great porn fire. So yeah, he wants to go meet some of the artists. You head out to the Root District, back to the Lie Bar, as you have tasked Krog with a number of things, actually. You make it to the Lie Bar and enter, and the Lie Bar is busier than you have ever seen it before. Um, many different artists sketching and drawing and a stack of books and Krog will greet you oh, Jeremiah it's good you've come he'll bring you in Jeremiah is really impressed with the productivity that's going on and he, he sees these big stacks of, of pornography and is just flipping them like a flip book and he's just oh my gosh <laughs> the, the detail days have been unbelievable <laughs> yeah, this is in this is the most incredible thing i've ever seen he shows you the crew among them baggy 
who you know, uh, the Baggy, the, the half-orc woman who loves flowers. She's drawing, like, pretty softcore stuff. It's mostly just women hanging out. Just, like, hanging out at the park. Swimming. Fishing. You see Clampeath Carabrax in there who will look at you and say, Oh my god, Jeremiah, when am I gonna die? Jeremiah takes out his, his black book with the scale on it and says, Not this year, sweetie. Not this uh, year, unless if something drastically changes call me and uh she's writing a long novel about a vampire that meets a young woman in high school and it's called sexy tooth monster cult (laughs) i'm writing it down just in case it comes up later i was gonna say chelsea i'm gonna have to peek at your notes after this (laughs) there's a stack of works krog will say these are from mr fish he's not here but uh just look he pulls them open lifelike detail like the italian renaissance wow and krog says and these are from me and he opens up his books and they're like poorly drawn stick figure born. It's like a child in middle school might draw and like show and then get caught for in middle school by their teacher. Krug, this this really shows the heart of Chester's chair. And he uh, goes over to the nearest refrigerator and pins it up on it. Oh, my thoughts exactly. Well, I, I also have an update on the other things you were looking for. Uh, I was asked to find, what was that? Spell books, Chris Tato cookbook. Ideas on prisoner reform and a book about a talking duck. (laughs) And I got it all, baby. (laughs) These two are both highly in demand, so you're going to have to pick one, perhaps to give to your wizard friend, minor illusions or how to succeed at sports without really trying. (laughs) I'll take the duck. I'll I'll take the duck book. Oh, okay. You can get the duck book, too. I mean, these two spell books are highly in demand, so I got to let one out at a time. I'll take two duck books. <laughs> so I, I don't think we're understanding each other here. You're going to get the duck book and then also one of these. Oh, wow. Uh, so we could we could have a minor illusion or how to be good at sports without really trying? <laughs> yeah, my, Minor Illusions is a book of first-level illusion spells. How to succeed at sports without really trying is a book of first-level transmutation spells. Oh. Gotcha. Minor illusions. Still going to take some time and money to learn, but... Uh, oh, I, I didn't realize it was illusions with a S at the end. Exactly. See, it's a clever title. Yeah, anyway. That's, wow, that was really cool. I've never known Clegg to be the athletic type, so let's change that. Let's let's make Clegg uh, our little four-star quarterback. All right. Hooray! How to succeed at sports without really trying. And these others, you can, you can take all of them. We also have more than a dare... The Comprehensive Chris Stato Cookbook. <laughs> we have Beyond Execution, Ideas for Reform. <laughs> it's an old, but it's radical. It's an old book, but it's radical for its time. Very dark title. It's considering punishments beyond chopping people's heads off. Real page turner. And finally, we have Stop It, Quackers, a children's book about getting along with people. It's about his talking duck named Quackers, and he's always annoying his friends by pointing out their flaws. And everyone says, stop it, quackers. I want the duck book. That's yours. He'll hand this all over to you and say, the porn should be, you know, we won't be back to normal by the Queen's visit, but I'm pretty impressed with the start we've made. You have done an incredible service to this town. Krog, you are the reason why this Queen's visit is going to end up being so successful with your time and your dedication and getting all this together. I I can't even imagine how i could repay you but know that you always have a friend in me you always have a friend in kellum vor 
And I, I just cannot say how much I appreciate this. Thanks, Jeremiah. One more thing. Who, yeah. who out of here, other than yourself, would you say is the best uh, porn artist here? Oh, that's Mr. Fish. He's a talent. I'd like to speak to Mr. Fish. Oh, Mr. Fish isn't here right now. He's, um, he's hard to pin down. Well, if I were to leave him a note with a special request, do you think he'd be able yeah. to do it? Yeah, I'd get it to him. All right. He uh, scribbles down a note and hands it to Krog. Great. What's the note say? Well, that's for Fish, Mr. Fish to know. <laughs> okay. On that cliffhanger, anything else you'd like to do in your downtime? That's it for me. Okay. Next will be Clegg. Uh, what would you like to do? Uh, there's two things I'd like to do. The first is I am giving Summer's Bounty the children's choir songbook, and I've just given him a pencil and sat him down with it. Great. You give Summer's Bounty a pencil and the children's <laughs> choir soundbook. He's pouring over. Okay. I'm working on um, Clegg's Find Familiar spell, which is a spell that Clegg has been working on. Basically, since she first got to Chester's chair, it is in the hopes that she will hear Summer's bounty be able to speak. I love and it. And the second thing Clegg will do is Clegg will write a letter to Maud Locks. Okay. Of Colnox. To your mentor at Colnox University. What would that, what'd you like that letter to say? Dear Maud Locks, how are you? I am fine. There are many strange things going on in Chester's chair. There were two reverse burglaries. Your friend, and my friend now too, Maggie Lathy, was kidnapped by a man who tried to date her, who was really controlled by another man who wanted to open up some mass market chain grocery store? Question mark. And the queen will soon visit. It has been a very interesting study abroad time. There is much that I'd like to speak with you about regarding some of the strange going-ons in this town. Also, please send me as much money from the Student Support Fund <laughs> as possible. I'm really dying out here. Please send me spells. <laughs> please send me web links to surveys that I may take um, at Colnax University that will pay me a gift card if I complete them. <laughs> Thanks. Hope you are well. Clegg. A few days later, you get a response in the, in the mail. Dear Clegg, it is lovely to hear from you. I'm excited that you and Maggie Lathy are getting along well. The last I'd heard was quite the opposite. <laughs> as far as catching up, we'll be able to do so in person sooner than you think. I'm planning a visit to Chester's chair a month from now or so, depending on my schedule. I'll be happy to stop in and see how you're doing and also catch up with my old friend Maggie Lathy. Look forward to seeing you then. P.S. Not sure how much money I can wring out of these damn bureaucrats, but I'll try. <laughs> Sincerely, Maud Locks. Wow. And as you report to school, working your normal job, Maggie Lathy will pull you aside at the Towers Schoolhouse as Jack Cole says, Oh yeah, you're gonna help me with my like lesson? Maggie Lathy will say, No! She's working with me today. And Jack will go, right on, dude, whatever. And he'll go upstairs. <laughs> Maggie Lathy will pull you aside and say, Clegg, I've been thinking about Summer's bounty. And 
We're all thinking about Summer's bounty. But I mean your spell. I know you're working on oh. a way to teach him how to speak. And, well, I just figured if I help you out, maybe your research goes faster. Yeah, that would be great. Summer's bounty is like a hero to all these kids. And they'd be so expi- excited to hear what I hear from him telepathically in my head every day. He's got a lot to say. He's got a lot in his soul. Well, instead of teaching the class for this next week, take some time to work on your spell here while at school. And I'll help you out as well. And maybe even be done in time for the Queen's visit. Oh, cool. Thanks, Miss Maggie Lathy. That's really nice of you. I feel like we got off on... Like, we'll look down at her feet and say, it's really hard for me to open up to anyone after what happened at Colnox, so thanks. I I know things haven't always been easy between us, but we've had such a... so many weird going-ons in this town that it's it's nice to be able to to get along. I agree. We should be a team. We shouldn't be against each other. Have you talked to Sindar recently? No. Has he talked to you at all? Has he tried to say hi or anything? He knows better. Oh, okay. I, I, I don't know. I just thought you two, in other circumstances, might have really hit it off. Maybe in time, but he did kidnap and almost murder me, so... Yeah, that, that's also true. That was just a couple of days ago. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Hey, that Jackson Fisher is doing really well in his studies, isn't he? Jackson, take the crayons out of your nose! And um, <laughs> she'll run over and deal with them. Anything else, Clegg Tumstall, in your downtime? Nah, Clegg's just gonna hang out with Summer's Bounty at the school. Cool. Working on your spell. Albert Penis, the last downtime is yours. What would you like to do? To I need to go down to City Hall and get permits to build a second unit in my backyard. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna take Money Boy and Stetson with me. <laughs> you, you go outside, uh, leaving Penis Curiosity. You uh, go visit City Hall in order to get permits to build this shed that's not a prison, that is just a cool no. shed. Well, it's it's not just the prison. I'm also, I also need a place for Money Boy to live. So I'm basically building a second little house back there. It's an accessory dwelling unit. Oh, right. Yeah. An ADU. Yeah. I would legally call it a pool house and then immediately put real stuff in there. <laughs> you head... To, hilarious. You head to uh, City Hall and you're interrupted. <gasps> you leave Penis Curiosity closing the door behind you, and as you turn back around, you're face-to-face with Sarah Craw and Arnold Dolesbury. And Arnold Dolesbury looks at you and says, Well, well, well. The case of the missing teacher turned into the case of the acid hole in the door turned into the case of what the sickly kids told us about turned into the case of finally putting Albert Penis behind bars. Whoa. Sorry, unless you're referring to lemon bars, I'm not totally sure what we're talking about here. Albert Penis, roughly four days ago, you were seen returning to town along with your friends, Maggie Lathy, Sindar Fulbeek, your normal crew, one unidentified old man, and one unconscious body. What do you have to say for yourself? Now, if you could do me a favor and show me that piece of evidence you have. We have the testimony. Oh, I'm sorry. You have he said, she said, little boy said, little idiot said. Ah, uh, okay. And yet you, <laughs> maybe if you'd spent less They're time right rooting here. around. They're next to us. Their, sh- their stalls are out front of your shop. Their stalls? 
Chiff and Chaff working at Frosted and the Crystal of Art are standing nearby, but they aren't even listening to you. Look, I don't know how it works for you in the forest when you're rooting around for mushrooms, you fucking <laughs> pig. But around here, we have a little thing called due process. Unless you have real cause given to you by whomever to put my hands in cuffs, then I'm afraid you're going to need to let me and my fellows move on and go to City Hall to participate in the government that we pay for with our tax dollars. Albert Penis? Why do you Albert think it- Penis. <laughs> Why do you think it took me four days to catch up with you? Because you're a stupid pig bitch. Yeah, I walked into that one, didn't I? No, Albert, it's because I got this. Pulls out a warrant. I can search your house, Albert. And I'm gonna. <laughs> okay. Search away. He'll walk inside. Sarah Crow will stand menacingly in the doorway. Are you are you staying with them? Are you leaving? I'm gonna I'm gonna go with them, yeah. And I'm going to um grab a little something i have like several like you know i'm I'm making i'm casting with metal a lot so they're like loose metal rods and while they're talking i'm gonna slyly grab like a six five and a half inch long metal rod and just like quickly put it in my pocket for later (laughs) make a sleight of hand check pull this off i have a plus five modifier on sleight of hand yeah she's looking at you i rolled it what was it 17 17 you slip the rod into your pocket no one notices Sarah Cross standing in the doorway, keeping an eye more on you. Arnold Dolesbury begins searching the bottom of Penis Curiosity. He, at one point, pulls back a curtain, and Money Boy is standing there. He's he's almost (laughs) naked. He's wearing just a diaper. He looks up at you. Says, oh, hi, hi. Arnold goes, who are you? you?" And Money Boy goes, um, my my name is... (laughs) Dollars, <laughs> child, <laughs> and Arnold Goldberg goes. Uh, Albert, can you explain this? No, dollars bags has it pretty clear. Dollars, child, <laughs> from across the room. Arnold Goldberg will ignore it. He searches the downstairs and then begins creeping up the stairs, step by step. What would you like to do? I'm going to follow him slowly. Okay. You follow him slowly. Sarah Craw will kind of walk behind you. He gets to the front, to the top. And he's going to open the door into your bedroom. <gasps> oh, no. He steps inside and finds an empty room. <gasps> On the floor are a pile of ropes. As you can see, I've been, not- been doing nothing but shooting ropes in here. <laughs> Make a deception check. Oh, it's perfect. It's a six. <laughs> a six. He goes, you were up to... So- Albert, you were up to something. I knew it. I knew I had you this time. I knew I had you this time. Where's the body, Albert? What body? The unconscious body that the kids saw. Mm, I think it's in the same place as the tooth fairy or uh, oh, the me. police being uh, useful. In our collective imagination. (laughs) I regret laughing at that one. Albert, that's not funny. Now, I'd hate to to make you leave, but I should warn you. The day is getting on, it is getting warmer. And as you know, pigs don't sweat, so you might as well find some mud to roll around (laughs) in, you fucking hog. (laughs) Sarah, I'm going to arrest him just for saying that. She goes, we can't arrest people just for saying mean things to us. 
He goes, one of these days, Albert. I thought it was going to be today. And one of these days, you're going to catch your corkscrew penis in the door. That's it. We're leaving. We're done here. They walk out. We're going to ask Maggie Lathy and Sindar Folbig about this. And if their story's not straight, you got another thing coming. Great. They both leave. Make an investigation check. 23. 23. Wow. Now, if you recall, a few sessions ago, when Landspunk was tied up and left in your room, I asked a very specific question about how you're leaving him. The way you described leaving him was tied up and gagged, and then you changed your mind and said, I'll take the gag out. It's been four days. The gag has been removed. He has the spell Misty Step. It's a verbal-only spell, requiring only a verbal component. With the gag removed from his mouth, He's able to look out the window, teleport himself outside, freeing himself from the binds, and escape. Looking out the window, actually, you'll see a bush in your backyard has been flattened, where he like <laughs> teleported straight out the window and then fell. Hmm. Well, money boy. Oh yeah. We're going to need to find a new roommate. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Then there we will end tonight's session. Whoa, what a a mammoth one. Huge session, folks. So much character building. Thank you, listeners, for listening. Thank you so much, players, for playing, for playing a very long game. Thank you, DMs, for planning all of this. Wow. (laughs) Next week is the Queen's visit. Next week is the culmination of our entire first arc. Will the reputation of Chester's chair be improved or forever destroyed? We will find out very shortly. If you like the show, follow us on Instagram, Small Town D&D. Tell your friends about the show. Subscribe to us on whatever podcast you're using right now and rate us there. Those things really help the show. We're excited about the show. We hope you are too. If you want to help us grow, that's the way to do it. We love you all. We love you all. Aww. With that, we will see you next week for the Queen's Visit. Bye-bye. Get Woo. hype. Woo.